Well, shall we get straight to the sermon then this evening, to Isaiah chapter 28. Isaiah chapter 28, if you want to follow with me. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to read the whole of the chapter. The title of the sermon is called this, Christ the Cornerstone. Christ the Cornerstone. I'll read the whole chapter, but one of the verses here in this chapter is one of the great statements of faith actually in the Old Testament, one of three great statements of faith. And I'm going to read Isaiah 28 first, and you can be listening out and asking yourself, which verse is it that's a great statement of faith? Let's hear the word of God from Isaiah 28. Ah, the proud crown of the drunkards of Ephraim and the fading flower of its glorious beauty, which is on the head of the rich valley of those overcome with wine. Behold, the Lord has one who is mighty and strong, like a storm of hail, a destroying tempest, like a storm of mighty overflowing waters. He cast down to the earth with his hand. The proud crown of the drunkards of Ephraim will be trodden underfoot, and the fading flower of its glorious beauty, which is on the head of the rich valley, will be like a first ripe fig before the summer. When someone sees it, he swallows it as soon as it is in his hand. In that day, the Lord of hosts will be a crown of glory and a diadem of beauty to the remnant of his people and the spirit of justice to him who sits in judgment and strength to those who turn back the battle at the gate." These also reel with wine and stagger with strong drink. The priest and the prophet reel with strong drink. They are swallowed by wine. They stagger with strong drink. They reel in vision. They stumble in giving judgment. For all tables are full of filthy vomit with no space left. To whom will he teach knowledge? To whom will he explain the message? those who are weaned from the milk and taken from the breast for it is precept upon precept precept upon precept line upon line line upon line here a little there a little for by people of strange lips and with a foreign tongue the lord will speak to this people to whom he has said this is rest give rest to the weary and this is repose yet they would not hear. And the word of the Lord will be to them precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, that they may go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. Verse 14, Therefore hear the word of the Lord, you scoffers, who rule this people in Jerusalem. Because you have said we have made a covenant with death, and with Sheol we have an agreement. When the overwhelming whip passes through, it will not come to us. For we have made lies our refuge, and in falsehood we have taken shelter. Verse 16, Therefore thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am the one who has laid as a foundation in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. And I will make justice the line and righteousness the plumb line. 
and hail will sweep away the refuge of lies, and waters will overwhelm the shelter. Then your covenant with death will be annulled, and your agreement with Sheol will not stand. When the overwhelming scourge passes through, you will be beaten down by it. As often as it passes through, it will take you. For morning by morning it will pass through, by day and by night, and it will be sheer terror to understand the message. For the bed is too short to stretch oneself on, and the covering too narrow to wrap oneself in. For the Lord will rise up as on Mount Perizim, as in the valley of Gibeon, he will be roused. To do his deed, strange is his deed, and to work his work, alien is his work. Now therefore do not scoff, lest your bonds be made strong, for I have heard a decree of destruction from the Lord God of hosts against the whole land. Give ear and hear my voice. Give attention and hear my speech. Does he who plows for sowing plow continually? Does he continually open and harrow his ground? When he has leveled its surface, does he not scatter dill, sow cumin, and put in wheat in rows, and barley in its proper place, and emma as the border? For he is rightly instructed, his God teaches him, dill is not threshed with a threshing sledge, nor is a cart wheel rolled over cumin. But dill is beaten out with a stick, and coming with a rod. Does one crush grain for bread? No, he does not thresh it forever. When he drives his cart wheel over it, with his horses he does not crush it. This also comes from the Lord of hosts. He is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom. Well, the title of the sermon tonight is simply this, Christ the Cornerstone, Christ the Cornerstone. So of all those verses that we read, have you already thought which of those verses is what I've already suggested? It's one of three great statements of faith in the Old Testament. And I'm going to help you. It's actually verse 16. What does it say? Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am the one who was laid as a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. So we'll be looking at that verse and other things tonight to strengthen our faith. And there's a, a Bible commentator and an excellent commentary I have by someone called Alan Harmon. And he makes this, this uh, comment that this verse in Isaiah 28, 16 is one of three great statements of faith in the Old Testament. Well, what are the others then? The first one is found in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6 of Abraham. Remember that verse? It says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Remember that great time when the, the canopy of stars in the sky and the Lord told him to look up and told him, uh, so your, shall your seed be. It just seemed absolutely impossible. And he looked up and, and the word of God records for us that Abraham believed God 
and it was counted to him for righteousness. And Paul the Apostle, he takes that verse and he actually places it in his letter to the Romans to teach us the doctrine of righteousness that's given to us as a gift. So Genesis 15 and verse 6. Now, what's another famous or great statement of faith from the Old Testament? It became a real watchword in the Reformation, but it's actually from Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4, and it simply says this, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And Paul takes that little line, it's, it's not even a, it's just a, a little slip of a line, he takes it and he plants it in Romans chapter 1, he uses it. He also uh, teaches it in the book of Galatians as well. And it's also found in the book of Hebrews three times. The just shall live by faith. And then the third great statement according to Alan Harmon in the Old Testament is found right here in Isaiah 28. And so we'll look at this this evening with three simple headings for us from the Scripture, from the Word of God. And we're, gonna, we're here... Tonight, as we always are in, in our worship services, we're here first and foremost to worship the living God. And so the first setting is one of the names of God, which is the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts. Our second heading is Christ the cornerstone. Christ the cornerstone. And thirdly, we're going to look at Christ's people from Isaiah 28. Now, preaching is to herald the good news of the gospel. So I'm not going to give you a verse-by-verse -verse commentary on this chapter. Uh, that would be uh, pretty, uh, I wouldn't say it's impossible, but in our time period, that's not the aim of this sermon. So we're going to look, first of all, at the first heading, which is the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts. And let's take a look first at verse 5. What does it say? It says, in that day... The Lord of hosts will be a crown of glory and a diadem of beauty to the remnant of his people and a spirit of justice to him who sits in judgment and strength to those who turn back the battle at the gate. What do we make of this tonight? Well, what we learn, first of all, is that Isaiah is the mouthpiece but this message is not firstly from Isaiah. It's from the covenant Lord himself. And we have the authority of this here. It says, in that day, the Lord of hosts. So this message that Isaiah is preaching is not from Isaiah. It's from the Lord of hosts. What a great name that is for God. The Lord of hosts. Have you ever thought about that? That name of God. And, and where does it come from? Well, it comes by divine revelation, but uh, for those who are familiar with their Bibles, that, that name is only first found in the Bible uh, through the lips of someone called Hannah. Remember Hannah? 1 Samuel chapter 1. And remember, her husband had two wives, Penina and Hannah, and, and Hannah was barren. She couldn't give birth to children at that moment in time. And they would go up to the tabernacle each year. And she would be praying and pouring out her soul before the Lord. Do you have things tonight where you need to pour out your soul before the Lord? 
Well, interestingly, in the Word of God, in, in sorry, not Isaiah, 1 Samuel chapter 10, listen to these words here of Hannah. It's of the prayer of Hannah. It says in the temple, it says, She, that's Hannah, was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, listen to what her prayer is, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. Oh, think of that. The name of God on her lips is in the word of God in 1 Samuel chapter 10, 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 10 and 11. She, the name of God is O Lord of hosts. So why is this name so important for Isaiah? We're revealed to us tonight that the God who I'm preaching in his name, who we're hearing from the word of God, is from the Lord of hosts. Well, this name is very important for Isaiah the prophet. Why is that? Because in chapter 6, he's given this great vision from God of the holiness of God. Can you imagine that? We heard a lot about revival last week and were greatly blessed. There was a preacher called Brian Edwards who looked at different parts of the world of, of a reviving work upon the church and there were, there were common traits that always seemed to happen. And one of the common traits in revival is this, that it's as if God turns back the, the curtain a little bit and draws near to the church. But when God does that, it's actually a scary thing. And that was the same thing what happened to Isaiah in chapter 6. God drew near to Isaiah and gave Isaiah a vision of the holiness of God. He couldn't see God. He saw something of Christ, the Son of God, but he didn't see God himself. The, the nearest that he could get to, and this was in a vision, it wasn't himself, but in this vision that he sees these seraphim, these creatures circling around the throne of God day and night, and, and he hears what they were saying. And they were saying this, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Imagine that. Having this vision and hearing with his ears and this vision this name of God, the name of God, the Lord of hosts. It could have been many other names. It could have been Almighty God, but it wasn't. It was the Lord of hosts. We perhaps could translate it the Lord of armies, but we'll not go there now. It's, it's God who has all power and authority. And so that name of God becomes brandished in the heart and mind of Isaiah. He can never forget it for the rest of his life. So we're here tonight worshipping the Lord of hosts. We cannot see him, but he can not only see us, but he knows every one of the hairs of our head, and every one of them is numbered. And One day we'll have to come before this God, and we'll give an account of our lives. I just heard recently in a sermon about a very wealthy couple I think they were in the United States and they retired and they thought, how do we use our millions or whatever else it was? And so they 
hired themselves a yacht and they gave themselves to you know going in their yacht around the world to all different islands and and, and on a quest to collect shells and then the preacher said can you imagine coming before almighty god at the end of your life and facing god and god then requiring an account of your life and you say to god i bring my shells before you that, that's the foolishness of humanity isn't it that our hands are empty we sing a hymn by top lady nothing in my hands i bring but simply to your cross i cling what about you tonight you and i were we to face the lord of hosts right now what would we say to this god what would be the basis by which we'd be looking to god to have entrance into his kingdom because there's only one basis it's by faith in jesus christ remember habakkuk 2 4 and the just shall live by faith it's not faith in yourself it's faith in someone else it's looking away from yourself it's faith in jesus christ our catechisms talk about that what is faith and faith is in jesus christ we rest and rely upon him alone for salvation and we keep doing that through our lives so isaiah chapter 6 and then also in revelation chapter 4 it takes the same vision that isaiah had and it translates this name lord of hosts in revelation 4 as the lord almighty as the lord almighty because we're so weak and full of unbelief we think if god is so real why is this chapel not got 400 people here tonight someone can say sheffield united they're only halfway through the league table and they can get twenty-five thousand at the drop of a hat they just announced a new uh, you know whatever they're playing someone else next week and they think come on the church is a joke listen our faith is in the living god if god those same people that would scoff and mock if the chapel tonight was filled with 300 people say that wouldn't make people believe because faith in jesus christ is a saving grace just think about you before god revealed christ to you you were walking headlong towards hell and everlasting punishment and you didn't even know and if god had taken your life like that you would have been cast into everlasting punishment which is what all of us deserve do we not let none of us ever think that we're not like other people because that's not true we're exactly like other people and the bible calls all people sinners sinners who hate god if you love god tonight it's only because god has given you a new heart and changed your affections towards the living god so this first name as we worship the lord and you find it again at the end of isaiah 28 it says isaiah preaches this also comes from the lord of hosts he is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom which leads us to our second heading 
moving on from this name of God, the Lord of hosts. Our second heading is Christ the Cornerstone. And we'll put our emphasis for a few minutes on chapter 28 and verse 16, which, according to Alan Harmon, is one of three great statements of faith in the Old Testament. Verse 16, Therefore, thus says the Lord God. Again, who's preaching? Isaiah's preaching, but this is not Isaiah. It's thus says the Lord God. That's where the authority of the message was in Isaiah's day. That's where the authority of the message is here tonight in Hilltop Chapel. Isaiah's not here. He's in heaven now. But the words that he gave us, which were from God, are just as much authoritative tonight as they were then. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I should stop there for a moment. Whenever you find in Isaiah the word behold, it means stop, it means slow down, God's about to say something important. Do you remember in the New Testament when Jesus appeared on the banks of the River Jordan and God had already revealed to John the Baptist this Levite preacher? Looked a bit rough, didn't he? You know, camel's hair was his clothing. He wasn't wearing the, the latest clothes from, um, I don't know, Zara's probably a woman's shop, isn't so it's a wrong shop. But you know what I mean? He wasn't wearing the latest, trendiest gear. So we're not looking at the outward appearance. We, we're looking at the Word of God. And God had revealed to John the Baptist that the Christ would appear. And then he appeared. Jesus of Nazareth appeared on the banks of the River Jordan. And by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, John began to preach and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. What do we get here in Isaiah 28? Behold! It's God saying, Listen, may this get your attention. And what does the Word of God say? I am the one who was laid as a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. And then we think about Habakkuk again. And remember, he's told to write down the vision. Remember that? Well, actually, Hebrews left to write, actually. So he's told to write down the vision. And, and, he said, and then he's told that though it tarry, though it doesn't come immediately, he's told, tell the people of God to wait for it. That's exactly what we get here. God has given this precious cornerstone who is going to be revealed 700 years later to be Jesus of Nazareth. Then it says, whoever believes will not be in haste. In other words, behold, but we've got to wait for it. It's through faith and patience that we'll inherit the promises. Likewise, the one great promise to be fulfilled at this moment in time, is the second return of Jesus. Someone may say, you don't believe that, do you? I, I know you, I've, I've been listening to you over the last few years and some of your opinions are ridiculous. I've been listening to you and you, you claim that you, know, you don't even believe in evolution. Come on, you need to get with it. You're like a, you're like a Neanderthal man from Cresswell Crags or whatever it may be. Don't you, don't you realize that you're living behind the times? You're, you're, you're so backward in your thinking. And now you're telling me that Jesus will come again? Come on, you don't believe that. 
It's ridiculous. This world won't end like that, don't you know? Haven't you listened to the news recently? It's going to end by, with climate change that we're all going to be submerged. The, the, the sea levels are going to be rising. We're all going to die in that kind of manner. And you hear all this message of fear. And silences the truth that the Bible says, Behold, Jesus is coming soon. And we may be mocked, but let's remember this verse tonight, Christians. Paul the Apostle was a great intellect, but he said this, we need to be fools for Christ's sake. Are you prepared to be a fool? Are you prepared to be mocked? Well, let's be mocked if it's to do with the truth of God. Let's hold fast. Noah was mocked. Remember Noah building the ark. I, was, I don't know if they had nails in those days. I've no idea. But imagine there were nails and he's putting the nails in and whatever else and, and preaching at the same time. The flood is coming. The flood is coming. Yes, old man. You believe that if you will. But what happened? The flood came. And they got into the ark and they escaped the judgment of God. And likewise, Jesus is coming again. Isaiah here preaches this 700 years before Jesus Christ comes. And this same promise here in Isaiah, we find a, the same promise in Psalm 118. For some of you maybe have memorized the whole psalm. Who knows? But it says this, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And so in Psalm 118 and Isaiah 28, we find the same truth. And Psalm 118 is cited by Jesus Christ. And he applies it to himself. And so here we see in Isaiah 28, a precious cornerstone. In other words, there's going to be a, there's going to be a building that's erected. But it's not a physical building that you see with your eyes. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And God has been building his church around the world now for all of these years. And we see that the, there's a stone, a tested stone. Jesus was tested, but he has been ratified by the heavenly father he's been shown that jesus is the precious cornerstone we as christians we have a, a sure foundation tonight i'm i'm preaching on solid stone it would take a lot to remove this solid stone but this solid stone that your feet are on is nothing compared to the invisible foundation under your feet if you're a christian which is jesus christ Therefore, if your faith is in Jesus, when you face the judgment day, you will not be in slippery places. Some of you know that hymn very well, don't you? Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. But it took faith in that day to believe that what we're reading in Isaiah, that there will be a, a precious cornerstone and for those who are so minded, you a cornerstone, uh, maybe even a chapel like this, I don't know. But they would firstly put in a, a stone at the corner. It would be an angled stone, and you'd put the cornerstone in. And then you would, 
you draw your lines from there for the rest of the building, how are you going to build it? And, all, and that, that teaches us about the church, that all of our lines of theology and faith are all to be drawn from, first and foremost, from Jesus Christ. If you get Jesus wrong, you'll get everything wrong. If you get Jesus wrong in his teaching, the whole building will become crooked. And so therefore, we need to not only keep using the name of Jesus, but rightly present him as who he is and what his teaching is. Now, Peter was one of the closest disciples of the Lord. He cites this same verse in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 to 8. 1 Peter 2, 4 to 8. And Peter writes this in his letter. As you come to him, that's Jesus, a living stone rejected by man, by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, for it stands in Scripture. And then he's going to cite this verse. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, and precious. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, uh, not but for those who do not believe. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Well, we must move on. Um, but we see that this is one of those great statements of faith in the Bible. Let me exhort us just for a moment, if I can, before we move on to our last heading. Let's not feel discouraged by looking around at other people or even in ourselves and thinking how difficult your situation might be. Because if your faith is in Jesus, you are of all people most blessed. Well, our third and last heading, and I've run out of time, but... It's Christ's people from Isaiah 28. And if you look with me in Isaiah 28, 11 and 12, what does it say? And let's see if, as I read it, if you recognize these verses. Isaiah 28 and verse 11, our third heading, Christ's people. For by people of strange lips and with a foreign tongue, the Lord will speak to this people to whom he has said, this is rest. Give rest to the weary, and this is repose, that they would not hear. And the word of the Lord will be to them precept upon precept. Paul the Apostle takes verse 11, and he cites it in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Now, I've run out of time, so I'm not able to give you the full explanation they prepared. So I'll try and summarize it concisely. It's this. God will speak to his people with clarity. And he will even speak to his people, as he did in Paul's day, with people of strange lips. It's signaling to them that Gentiles are going to come into the kingdom of God. That everything in the kingdom won't always be in Aramaic or Hebrew. That the gospel is going to be preached in other languages. Tonight, how would you feel if I was preaching to you in French? Well, I think you'd feel pretty discouraged, wouldn't you? You think, what's the point of that? But I'm not. God's raised up preachers 
so you can hear preaching in English in your own language and understand it. So God will speak with clarity. But also, the emphasis is also on not only God speaking to his people, but how do we hear? How do we hear? Jesus repeatedly said this. Remember this phrase? He said, He that has ears, let him hear. Because as we come to a close, Isaiah chapter 6, of which Jesus talks about when he's teaching about parables, which both reveal the kingdom of God and they conceal the kingdom of God. And he emphasizes, make sure you listen to the teaching of the gospel. How have you been listening tonight? I can't answer that. But in closing tonight, we need to ask ourselves the question, how do we listen when the word of God is being preached? Do we listen in season and out of season? He that has ears to hear, let him hear, Jesus says. Because this is connected to our discipleship. As we close tonight, we're talking about the art of listening, which is vital to our spiritual well-being. Why are we praying for... Well, we're not, we're not simply praying for revival on Saturday nights. That's not our main thing. But we are praying that this chapel will be full morning and evening. It's because you cannot replace anything. Nothing can replace preaching in the flesh where you're sat there under the presence of the preaching of the Word of God. This is God's means of grace. And we need the means of grace, don't we? We need to be preached to. Because preaching is not simply about teaching a message. It's important that a preacher can look into your eyes and can address you as he's addressing himself as well. And that the Word of God is like a, like a chisel that hammers things away. And so therefore we need to be praying that we would hear and that people would come and they would hear in the flesh. Question 160, which some of you may have memorized in the larger catechism. What does it say? It says this. It says about the art of listening, it says uh, in the larger catechism, what is required of those that hear the word preached, which is exactly the teaching of Jesus, the, the emphasis on the hearers now, not simply the preachers. And the answer is this. It is required of those that hear the word preached that they attend upon it with diligence, preparation, and prayer, that they examine what they hear by the Scriptures, receive the truth with faith, love, meekness, and readiness of mind as the Word of God. Meditate on it, confer of it, hide it in their hearts and bring forth the fruit of it in their lives. Well, we've looked at three things tonight. Firstly, we looked at the Lord of hosts, and that's the God whom we're worshipping this evening, the Lord of hosts, the Lord Almighty. We've looked briefly at Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 16, that Christ is the precious cornerstone. And thirdly, we've looked at Christ's people,
that with uh, people of a strange language that God will speak to his people. And he does speak. He's speaking tonight from the word of God. So in closing, three things for us to take away tonight. Number one, how do we hear the preaching of the word of God? How do we hear it? Are we running to hear it? Secondly, Isaiah 28 verse 16, and I'm repeating myself, but it's one of those three great statements of faith in the Old Testament. Let's go back and revisit that, that verse again and again in the coming week or weeks. And finally, I mentioned this morning again, but I'm going to close with this, this great gospel invitation from Christ in John chapter 7 and verse 37. The words of our Master, Jesus Christ, who says this. Let me find it in my Bible and quote it perfectly rather than just from memory. John 7, 37. What does it say as we close this evening? Imagine that. It says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. There's an invitation from Christ there. If anyone thirsts, are you thirsty tonight? And if you're not, why not pray that God, by his Holy Spirit, will cause your spiritual thirst to increase? Because for some, it can wane. But let's pray that we would be thirsty. And if we are so thirsty, Jesus says, let him come to me and drink. Perhaps some people can be thirsty because they're not coming to Jesus and drinking. And may we drink and keep drinking until we get to heaven and we see with our eyes the river of the water of life.